Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Thrive Infertility Podcast. This is your host, Kathy Quillett, CEO of Tennessee Reproductive Therapy and the Quillet Institute. Thanks for joining us back here for another week. I hope that this has just been a good week and is, you know, I'm, I'm looking out the window and seeing the changes of leaves and the changes of scenery. I hope that brings you new promise and hope. I love the changing of the seasons because it just offers a refreshing newness and, you know, the season we're going into the opportunity to cuddle up, slow down, although COVID has kind of given us that, hasn't it? We've all just been cuddling up and slowing down for two years, it feels like, but with, you know, I just think flannel and apple cider and the comfy, cozy slippers and, you know, the holidays coming. So I just hope that, uh, you can embrace the change of the scenery. Um, yeah. So today I'm excited to have with me, Tara Bradner. She is a gem y'all. I'm going to allow her to introduce herself because she has a lot of titles, a lot of things going on in her life. Um, and so she can introduce herself much better than I can hurt. Tara, thanks for being here today. Hi, thanks so much for having me back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes, this is our second rodeo. Yes. I don't remember what we talked about the first time. Advocating you know, for yourself. Advocating for yourself. Yeah. I'm pretty That's sure. That's my jam. Yep. That yep, is that your was jam. It. Okay. Who are you and what do you do in this field? Because you have an important role and I've seen you in action and you are awesome. Oh, thank you. So I am a doctorate nurse practitioner by trade. Uh, recently turned fertility coach with advanced training from ASRM and Marquette Natural Family Planning. I do also have some additional classes I've taken in hormone regulation through food and supplements and all that good stuff too. So I have shifted my career completely 100% in the last two months over to uh, being a fertility coach and just giving back to this community more than ever. I also have a nonprofit in North Dakota and South Dakota, Everlasting Hope. So we support individuals in this area through a variety of resources, grants, you know, all those good things too, to give, give back locally here. Mm-hmm. You're amazing. You know, I told you the other day when we were doing an event on your side of things, but I'm coming to South Dakota soon. I don't know why I saying that, but I'm just that excited to not be in this office anymore. It is so beautiful out there. Like, I think if anyone's looking for a nice little getaway, the, the South Dakota, um, Mount Rushmore, you know, area, Black Hills, go. (laughs) People look at me like I'm crazy when I'm going to South Dakota. Mm -hmm. They're like, we are so much closer to the beach. You're driving 19 hours. Yes, I am driving 19 hours with two children to go to Rapid City, but it is beautiful and peaceful. And the people are amazing and kind and hospitable. And the scenery is just breathtaking. So I'm excited to venture up into your corner of the world. So when I do fertility coaching, Tara and I really complement each other. I do the mental health angle, the relationships, the, the coping skills, kind of the living well in the middle of the weight. And Tara is a really great resource to help you try and figure out how to care for yourself, how to advocate for yourself physically, what to do and getting the proper diagnosis and treatment. She's kind of a liaison Uh, we did an event, um, and I just watched her like walk people through potential diagnoses questions she needs to ask provide or that this patient would need to, um, ask a provider that maybe they hadn't gotten answered yet, whatever. And it's just 
she's a great resource. What's your website? Normally I do this at the end, but. So you can find me on social at Tara B fertility or Tara Bradner.com B R A N D N E R. There's two ends in there.com. So I'm on the socials. I'm constantly doing free education, mostly on Instagram and Instagram stories. So yes, that That's is, awesome. I just try to give, give, give there. Good. So today let's give away some more information. Shall we? Let's do um, it. Let's do it. Yeah. The place that we want to go today, you friendly listener is talking about all things PCOS. Now I was diagnosed with polycystic ovaries. If you've been here a minute, you've heard me talk about that and had to do the Clomid and the ultrasounds and that's like the first step to your fertility, not being really your fertility. It's just kind of becomes intrusive and granted it's just taking a pill, but it's a lot more monitoring. And it's like, I feel like Clomid is the gateway drug to fertility treatments. And so with that diagnosis of polycystic ovaries, I know that means a lot of things to a lot of people, but Tara, before we even jump into this for those that might not know yet what PCOS is for those that might have a question mark about what PCOS is for them. Just tell us what is polycystic ovary syndrome? What does it feel like? What's going on in your body? Yes. So we need to first remember that polycystic ovarian is an endocrine disorder versus like a reproductive disorder. So it's an endocrine disorder that part of your reproductive system is part of. So we know like our ovaries, for example, are part of the endocrine system, but infertility is a symptom more or less, I guess you could look at it of your endocrine system disorder. And there's many different moving parts. I think it's one of the diseases that there's nobody for the most part, we know some people who look the same, but everybody can have a different symptom. You could have one or two or you know, five different pieces of the uh, PCOS puzzle and it just looks different and it goes missed and overlooked very often. And so there's more and more research coming out on this disease, which makes me extremely happy because it's just lacking. We, not everybody with PCOS has infertility issues either. So to keep that in mind, you, you know, you might say, well, you know, my friend Jennifer had it and she you never had trouble getting pregnant. Why do I, you know, there's just mm-hmm. so much that goes into the fertility piece of it as well. But I think to just remember that it is an endocrine system disorder, there is some different criteria that goes into diagnosing it too. So depending, you know, different providers that most are switching over to what we call the Rotterdam criteria. That's the more commonly used one. And you have to, there's three different layers to diagnosing with Rotterdam and you have to have two of them. So you don't even have to have all three aspects of that criteria. Um, It it ranges from actually having an ultrasound showing you have physical cysts on your ovaries to not having that. And you can still have PCOS without actually having cysts on your ovaries. So that's another key takeaway. I want people to know you can have a normal ultrasound without cystic ovaries and still have PCOS because you could have irregular ovulation or no ovulation. And then you could have a whole slew of symptoms that are categorized under excess androgen. And so it's just a very, what are some um, of those symptoms? Cause I yeah. think some people are like, well, I wonder if I do. And okay, listen, don't go and say, Tara, some chick on a podcast diagnosed me with polycystic ovaries, but this is just some of the criteria that we're looking at. 
Yes. So let's let, yes, let's disclose that we are not diagnosing today. We are simply providing you with education to empower you to go to your provider and have them reevaluate or better yet, if you've done that, then it's time we find you a new provider because I'm all about a second opinion. Let me tell you, that's, that's where as, as a medical that's provider your jam. myself, that's my jam because we do it with other diseases. Like it is not uncommon to go see two neurologists, two cardiologists or more, or because they switch facilities, you're going to automatically earn yourself a second opinion with a new provider. You know, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. just so common in the medical field that I think I want to break that wall down too. that second opinions are healthy. A new set of eyes are healthy, you know, and it's not a scary thing. You're not betraying a provider by seeking a second opinion you don't owe them anything. This is your health. You are in full control of your health care. So always remember that. So androgen excess can look like acne, oily skin. You can have uh, balding, hair loss, abnormal hair growth on your face, really dark you know, hair on your arms, your legs. And when I say hair growth on your face, I have a patient who literally has like I get one black hair that grows from my chin that's really dark and thick and I pluck it all the time or I have, you know, the fancy treatments nowadays where you can have your hair removed, you know, that is that. Uh, Irregular cycles, really long, you know, not really long. When I say really long, like I'm 28 days to the T almost all the time. So if you're pushing 30, 34, 35, irregular. I was Um, 60. Oof, yes, you are irregular. (laughs) Girl, I had, I had all of it. I had the facial hair. It was like a five o'clock shadow. I felt yes. <laughs> how awful Gross. It, it is. And it's like, you know, it's a social thing too, that you're dealing with now. Like the emotions of the social aspect totally. of going out in public with male hair on your face. Like who mm-hmm. wants that? Yeah. Um, obesity. When I say obesity, here's what I see a lot. So you have a call, a female, she was an athlete in high school. She was an athlete, even into college. And all of a sudden she's still athletic, hasn't changed much. If anything, boom, 15 to 20 pound weight gain, can't get rid of it. Usually occurs in, in college or in your twenties. It can really happen at any time. And then you have this inability to lose weight that goes along with it. Yeah. So that's um, huge. In addition, we sh- should also say there is lean PCOS. So you can have your leaner female, you know, maybe she's exercised, maybe she's not, but she's just, she doesn't look like your typical uh, PCOS patient, but she has irregular cycles. She's got acne. She has parts of androgen disorders. So weight isn't all of it either. There's this whole other side of, of that too. If you have anxiety that you just can't get controlled, um, you have fatigue, joint issues. There's just so many different things. Like then there's the whole like in inflammation that goes along with it that can cause symptoms too. Um, you know, joint pains, headaches, fatigue, skin issues, food sensitivities. Um, so yeah, there's just a, it can look like two of those things. It can look like ten of those things. So I'm hearing you, Tara, say all this stuff, and I'm removing myself as a as a previous. Uh, PCOS patient, but I'm feeling like the weight of what that would feel like is somebody to fight that. I'm feeling like facial hair. Again, we're talking social weight gain. I'm talking, or I'm thinking shame, you know, like the headaches I'm thinking not being able to do regular activities that maybe I previously enjoyed, you know, 
being in being in a body that you once knew and you're you're not in that same body anymore uh, being able to you know the joint pain the headaches the anxiety the whatever like this it i mean it it's not just a physical it's so emotional right. it's so psychological it the is whole that this diagnosis takes and then you walk into a doctor's office and you walk out with no diagnosis and disregarded three plus times, you know, that. Yeah. You told me that statistic. Same. Yeah. So I found a study where it talks about, it takes an average of two years to receive the diagnosis of PCOS and three or more office visits with different providers or just going in and out, in and out to actually get that diagnosis. So that in itself, I feel is costly draining mentally and emotionally and just exhausting is the word that comes to me. And I, you know, then it reminds me so much, let's say you have infertility after that, or on top of that, all of those appointments and exhaustion, you know, that comes along with that too. It is so draining to go to a doctor and they say, I don't know what's wrong with you. Or the doctor to say, I'm sorry, you don't have enough criteria to meet this. Or the doctor just not having the expertise in all diagnoses to, to say, like, I see you, your pain is yes. valid. Yes. There was another study that showed that many providers lack the understanding of this disease. And so that's part of a, the puzzle piece, we'll call it too. They, they lack the judgment to make it. And so it's showing that there is a general misunderstanding of the disease of PCOS within the medical community as well. So that's where I encourage healthcare providers too to really, you know, find some community education or reach out to somebody like myself or whoever to help kind of talk you through what this could look like if you're just not fully sure or better yet, just send them to somebody else, you know, do a quick referral, do a multidisciplinary approach to their care. You're still their provider for this, but they probably just need to see somebody else, you know, for PCOS too. You, I heard you talk before we got on here of like the four different types of PCOS. Yes. So that I say is from a functional medicine approach. Is got that it. there? Yeah. There, but there is a thought in the functional medicine approach to care that there's four different kinds of PCOS and I'll review those for you. So number one is insulin resistant. And that is when, you know, as we know, our main source of energy comes from sugar, glucose, from the food we eat. When we consume it, it goes into our bloodstream. And then this process takes place in conjunction with our pancreas to kind of control and regulate it. Well, when you have insulin resistance with diabetes or PCOS, the cells don't get that signal to shut off and stop. And so there's too much sugar being dumped into your bloodstream. And what that in turn looks like in a female PCOS is irregular periods, um, weight gain, acne, hair changes. That's kind of where we see that mm -hmm. happening. Number two is thought to be what's called post-pill. And that is something that I feel we need to know prior to going on oral birth control. What were your periods like? How many days were there? Did you have some of these symptoms that we talked about earlier before? Or mm. were they irregular all over the place? Because it's thought that if they were abnormal, you likely had PCOS before going on birth control. If you had normal cycles, it's fair to give it three to six months to kind of see once you come off birth control, what happens. But there's thought that birth control can interfere with insulin production. So now it looks like what we just talked about, insulin 
resistance or production, you know, that can, we can kind of have that mm -hmm. too, but not ovulating is the main one for that post pill looking one. Um, number three is referred to as inflammatory. And that's when there's just high levels of inflammation in the body. And that often comes out looking like fatigue, skin issues, food sensitivities, joint pain, headaches. And to answer, yes, you can have, you can fit more than one of these categories and you can fit, you know, multiple mm -hmm. with that too. Inflammation is inflammation. And then number three is what's referred to as adrenal. And that's where there's high levels of cortisol going on. And that's our stress hormone. So if you're like sitting in that stressy hormone area a lot, um, and that's released from the adrenal glands. And so when that's elevated, we tend to see um, elevation in a hormone called DHEA, which is actually commonly drawn by the medical field when you look mm -hmm. at that, which is another adrenal hormone. And that rises as cortisol does. So you'll see these high levels. And what I've even learned from some OBs is that you don't have to have like a way out of the range DHEA level, but if your DHEA is elevated beyond, I don't want to give a number because everyone's going to go look at their stuff, but if you meet with somebody and it's, it's simply in the higher range of normal, we'll call it on the scale, we are going, and you have symptoms displaying that you have like PCOS symptoms, like we talked about earlier, we're probably going to just try some cares for you and see what that does. So this will look like um, testosterone levels can be normal with this adrenal kind, but you'll have the same symptoms as number three in that inflammatory section. And then you'll have some DHEA elevation as well. And so that's more of the um, functional medicine. And DHEA is what for those of it's people. a hormone. Yeah. It's a hormone that we see and it comes from, um, it's an adrenal hormone. Like I said, I draw it in all of, you know, my patients, another cool test that I'll just like plug that I've been running on my patients that, um, left and right, whether they're menopausal or trying to conceive or whoa, not. Whoa. Yeah. Right. That's me the girl. Dutch, ready for it. The Dutch hormone test is making its way into, um, life. And why I like it is because I personally had it drawn on me and found, significant changes to my health. I thought I had a progesterone deficiency when really I have excess estrogen, which makes sense because I have endometriosis. So that makes sense, but it draws like 60 different hormones and it looks a lot at cortisol levels. And so that's just a life, you know, in addition to reproductive health, it also is an overall really great health test to have done in your, in your world. So Dutch hormone test is, is my new favorite. All right, so let's, there's that quick rundown for you. There's that quick rundown. Okay, so let's let's try and land this plane a little bit. If somebody has polycystic ovaries, they think they have polycystic ovaries, what are some changes to life that they can make? I remember 12 years ago, people, my provider said, cut out carbs, sugar, and walk 30 minutes a day. And I did that. You better I, believe I did that religiously. I'm nauseous, like hearing, it's great. Like we should all maybe do some, like walk 30 minutes a day. We don't want you to cut carbs out though. Mm -mm. Yeah, nope. well, it didn't work. Let's just be real. <laughs> shocker, shocker, <laughs> alert. So, so, so don't follow Kathy's advice. What does Tara think? So Tara thinks there's a couple things. We need to keep, so what's, I'm gonna say this too. This is a lifelong disease. This does not go away. Do you regulate it or control it differently as, as life progresses? Maybe 
figure things out or hormones kind of fluctuate and change? Yes, absolutely. But if the other thing, the important reason that I feel we need to control this is because it can lead to other chronic health term conditions. So those look like high blood pressure, sleep apnea, type two diabetic, obesity, just all, all the other cardiovascular disease. Like we really need to, this is a woman's health disease that we need to do better at controlling early on in life. So what does that look like? I simply, my simple tricks that I give to people are pair a protein with every time you eat snack or meal, pair some protein with that because we know, know that protein takes about five hours to metabolize where a carb is 30 minutes. So if you have that protein that's taking a little bit longer, you get this really stable flow in your insulin level. So everything is going to come, but not everything, but we want to really hone in on that insulin regulation with you. Um, eating every three, maybe four hours. I like three hours. So not going long amounts of time in between eating, not only eating three meals a day, we want you eating more. So protein, eating more often. Um, there's some really cool supplements that have come about nowadays that you can take in addition to any medications that you're on really working on your mental health. And I say that because we know that PCOS does have anxiety that kind of tails with it. And that can be for various reasons, but it can also be a hormonal imbalance that goes on too. So we really want to work with the emotional aspect that comes along with this disease as well. We want you to, of course, exercise, but find which one works for you. Strength training is actually probably the more important one. We want to build muscle mass with, you know, not bulk up. That sounded really No, don't do that necessarily, but if you want to go for it, but don't feel like you have to be doing these high intensity exercises. In fact, there's some thought out there that doing high intensity exercise, maybe just a couple days a week versus every day, doing some strength training and yes, go for your walk after you eat, if you'd like, you know, but don't find something you enjoy and, and do it because it is going to help regulate your insulin exercise helps regulate insulin. So find your exercise that you enjoy and, and stick with that. I love that. Those are super helpful. Eat healthy carbs. Don't cut them out, (laughs) you know, and it's, it's maybe, you know, and that's another thing too. I like, you know, there's food sensitivity tests that you can order to your doorstep nowadays. So if you're kind of questioning, if you have that food sensitivity with the lifestyle aspect of it, um, there's some that'll tell you to cut gluten and dairy out, you know, let's see if you have a sensitivity And an easier way, if you don't want to spend the money on it, here's what I tell a lot of my patients to do. Cut out, let's just use dairy, for example, for two to four weeks. Cut it out completely, 100%, get it out. Slowly bring it back in and see what happens to your symptoms. Hmm. If they get better when you cut it out, then we know we should probably cut back. There's some really great dairy-free yogurts and cheeses and all the things out there nowadays. Do the same thing. If you think gluten might be doing it, cut it out two to four weeks, see if symptoms get better, bring it back in. So that's another thing you can do too, if you want to kind of pick away. But at my favorite is the Everly Well food test. That's what I did on myself. And I recommend for patients too. So helpful. Any closing thoughts about PCOS? I think the takeaway that I want people to walk away with is this is a, this is a disease too. This is a real disease. It affects mm-hmm. one in 10 women. There's a lot that comes with it find yourself a provider who listens and doesn't just, you know, slap on medications that really can work with you Mm. to hone in and improve your symptoms. 
Um, if once again, if it doesn't feel right with the provider, find a different provider just to help with your PCOS and, and see how that goes. But to just know there's a lot that gets put on you with this disease as well, when mm. you have it, think you might have it. And if you are listening today and you're like, man, I think I have that. Let's find someone to work with you and get you mm. that answer. That's awesome. Tara, thanks so much for being here. <gasps> Thank you, Kathy, for having me back. Yes, of course. Anytime. All right. So for those of you that want to follow her online at Tara B Fertility or Tara Bradner brand NAR. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> dot com. Brand NAR. All right. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week with my sweet husband, all about how to not lose the romance and the the fun in a relationship, not just sex life, but like the dating and everything. So grab your partner, come back next week and let's talk all about how to keep the fire alive. All right, everybody go out and thrive. Have a good week.